Thursday night time machine. Time for me to get my first win of the season. Me and the Waffle House are on a collision course. But I'm going to go Jets by a score of 19 to 14 over the Denver Broncos. I was locked in last week, not this week. I don't feel good about this. N-E-W-Y-O-R-K-J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 20 to 17 over the Broncos. Mine's written down. I could have gone yeah, but, six plus, yeah. but man of integrity. Man of integrity. He's the same way when he uh, slings real estate, so if you're in the area. Um, hey, uh, I also want to commit to something here at you know 5.30 p.m. Thursday afternoon. I will not do a breakdown of this game tonight. I will I just I don't know what has to happen for me to want to remark on it, but I just can't. I'm not going to do it. So, without further ado, you're probably going to hear the show. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to the Green Light Pod. I'm your host, Chris Long. This is my esteemed co-host, Making Gunner. Mayonnaise. <laughs> it's Mayonnaise Day. Mayo Friday. Uh, for those of y'all who don't know, uh, I lost kind of a side bet last week to my co-host, and I volunteered it. Listen, I have never eaten mayonnaise. Like, not intentionally. I've had it in some salads, you know, like a tuna salad or a chicken salad before, um, unknowingly, because for most of my adult life, I didn't know there was mayonnaise in, in those items. Yeah, that's a tough realization. One of many things to look forward to on today's program. You know, like, I like tuna salad. I think Feast, uh, right down the road here, does a delicious tuna salad, but they use mostly olive oil. I'm just not a big mayonnaise guy, and it's making me gag think about the fact that I have to eat a small bowl of mayonnaise at the conclusion of the show. So stick around for that. That'll be the mailbag. Do you feel bad being 0-3 against a guy who doesn't watch the ball games? No, because, listen. Um, Less is more in this case. The blind squirrel adage three times. Yeah, nuts, nuts, nuts. Nuts. Yep. That's what you're, you're, you're finding. That's right. Yeah. Nuts. Nuts. Uh, hey, listen, we also have, it's not just me eating a bowl of mayonnaise today. We've got a kind of a packed show here. Big names. Big names. David Keckner, you know him as Champ Kind from Anchorman. Todd Packer from The Office. And also, you, you're going to know him in a few minutes as a great friend of the program. That's right. I mean, like, the guy was awesome. Yeah, really easy to talk to, really funny, um, not a despicable human by any means like Todd Packer might might be having you think. Yeah, yeah, great yeah. Great guy. Yeah, which makes me think, man, he really elevated his game to play Good such actor. a shithead on the office also was very complimentary of you yeah he was nice i think he was just being nice because he's a nice guy but he uh he raised my self-esteem which has been lowered because of the comments some of the when comments you, uh, when you subscribe rate and review i read that i talk slow and have a dumb name which 
Uh, both fair points. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, you do, but right now you're talking pretty fast. I'm trying to talk faster. And also you have that 1.5 button that you can utilize if you'd like, if I'm talking too slow. Okay. Damn, you guy? do the 1.5 pretty okay, good. Guy. Can that guy talk like you talk? You're just, you just talk like him. Can he slow it down? Yeah, man. No, nah, you do it all. Um, I like to choose my words carefully. Yeah. It's called being thoughtful. Ever heard of it? Uh, listen, Todd Packer, champ kind. David Koechner is the man behind the mask, and he was tremendous. And then I've got an Alden Smith long look. Uh, the guy leads the NFL in sacks right now. What gives? Uh, gosh, he's been out of football for five years, and he's uh, he started off like gangbusters there. Uh, and I took a look at a few of his games. I got some thoughts. And I've got a segment I think we might should call Ron Jaworski. Yeah, how could you forget about Jaws? Man? Jaws is on the program. Jaws is here. Dun dun, dun dun, dun 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 dun. dun. That's the from the movie Jaws. But Jaws is a Philly legend and also a real quarterback guru, real live quarterback guru. A lot of these guys out here on the internet call themselves quarterback gurus. Some of these analytics folks. Listen, I love y'all, but there's only one quarterback guru, and that's Jaws. RonJaworski.com, official site of CEO QB and motivational speaker. And he motivated me. We've already done this interview. I mean, like I was just in a good mood when I got off the, the, the broadcast with my man. I mean, he is just full of energy, positive, but also gave it to us straight about the birds. Uh, we also talked about this era in quarterbacking and much more. Uh, Carson Wentz came up a lot, obviously. Uh, as did Dak Prescott and what's going on down in Dallas with uh, Jerry Jones playing mind games there. I don't know what he's doing. Hard to say with Jerry. Loose cannon? We also have a mailbag, which I alluded to earlier, and I will be eating mayonnaise out of a small bowl the whole time. So stick around. A couple shouts outs here. You see I got that right? No, you didn't. You, you tacked on the second S to out. We're just doing shouts out. Oh, shouts out. That's right. clean. Yeah, it is clean. You really are you're good with the, what is it, Gen Z? I'm not sure. You're good with the younger folks. Thanks. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm, I'm really not, but thank you. Um, it's like endearing. Shouts out. I want to give a big shouts out to Pat Maroon. Patty Maroon. Oh, legend. Yeah. Legend. Name. Yeah. They call him the rig. And my man is a big rig, dude. This is a big guy. I got cool with Pat after I interviewed him, gosh, my first summer out, one of my first interviews I ever did. Tiki was the first, and then we had uh, Pat Maroon, like number two in line, and at the time, you know, he's a, he's a St. Louis Blue, and they're in the middle of a little bit of a title run there. I had no idea the ride that this cat would go on the last two years. Back-to-back uh, -back champ on two different teams he won it in st louis and then he goes on you know on his own will to tampa a team that got swept two years ago now in the first round by an eight seed which is somebody in the mailbag asked is it worse who got more redemption virginia when they won the national championship or the lightning when they won the cup i mean it's virginia right i think so but i'll holler at john cooper the coach who had a uva hat yeah, on the podium awesome. yeah after the the final game and wore wore a, a Wahoo hat on Sports Center, I was, was blown awesome. away. I was yeah. blown away. Very cool. I was blown away. Uh, but I've gotten to know Pat a little bit. Party with him after the cup. Party with all those guys. They're great, and they uh, 
they're a good hang. We've alluded to that on this podcast in the you know in the Mount Rushmore of of, of professional athlete hangouts. The first bust going on the uh, the side of the mountain is that of Pat Maroon. I mean, <laughs> and any of the hockey players really. He's a great dude, um, and I, I'm so happy for him. Seeing him hoist the cup the other night was tremendous. Heart and soul of that team, and I think what the Blues might have been missing a little bit this year was that kind of asshole vibe that he brought to the table. Physically imposing as well. Not a great color, though, that maroon. Maroon is not one of my favorite colors. He might rather be like Pat Gray, Pat Blue. Yeah, those are better colors. Pat Green. Yeah, Pat Green. Legendary, is that a country singer? Legendary musician. Uh, green is my favorite color, by the way. Cool. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so, shout out to shouts out to him. And also, I want to shout out Bills fans. We had a nice social clip that did relatively well this week. Read Josh Allen and just how unpredictable he is in a great way, a fun way. I mean... Man, you Bills fans are pretty fucking sensitive for a guy that's just thirsty to be a part of your tribe. I mean, it's it's a hard little fraternity to break into. It's not the 90s anymore, guys. Like, you can just go on ahead and get over it. Uh, your team's good now. You don't need to take everything as a slight. I'm kind of praising your guy. And even you have to admit, the guy is like a roller coaster on meth. And I don't know about you, but if you're into thrill rides, that sounds pretty thrilling. I don't know how that would make you feel, but I would imagine it's quite the adrenaline rush, and that's what Josh Allen is. So when I post about the Bills, unless I say explicitly I don't like the Bills, just assume I love the Bills. Love them, just like everybody else in America right now. Some people would say you're America's team. So the sensitivity doesn't really go well with that. Shouts out to the folks in Buffalo, the Buffalonians. Shouts out to robots. Why? The Atlanta Falcons will be using drones to clean Mercedes-Benz Stadium following their home games moving forward. Don't like robots. I know you don't. That's why I brought it up. <sighs> Cue the Terminator music. But like, we're headed there, dude. We're headed there. If we don't just destroy ourselves, they're going to do it for us. It starts with one cute little robot that looks like the Futurama robot cleaning Falcon Stadium. Then it's sex robots. We talked about that last fall. Do we need to nope. dust that clip off? And then it's Terminator. It skips straight from sex robots to Terminator. Sex robots going to be like the the woman in that movie where she killed the guy while she was having sex with him. I know it's kind of that's kind of broad, but there was a movie a few years ago. Maybe it was Casey Affleck was in the movie, and there was a blonde lady that was absolutely psychotic, and it was her all along. She did something bad. There was a shower scene, then she was having sex with a guy, and then she just killed him suddenly. That's what those sex robots are going to do to us. Don't fall for the okie doke, and if it's not the sex robots, they're just going to go straight T2, T2000. It's over. Shouts out to the moon. The moon was beautiful last night. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Did you see that moon? Yes. I. You I, sounded like such a fucking stoner there, right there, for, for people that, you. I know you don't do that. I don't. I'm passionate about the moon, yeah. and it is, um, so my lovely wife, Kate, and I, we have a disagreement as to the um, amount of light coming into the bedroom oh, at yeah. night. Yeah. I want all the natural light coming in. 
I like to be awake. So you like to wake up at five forty? No, no, no. I don't though. I'm a yeah. I'm a I'm a good sleeper. I, I still wake up with the alarm regardless of the natural light coming in. But the moon's right outside the window. Yeah, so dope. I went to sleep yeah. last night staring uh, at that moon. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It Shout, was awesome. Shouts out to the moon. Does not care that uh, our civilization seems to be on the brink. Like it's seen this movie before. It just it was like last night. It came up to be like, yeah, I saw the debate too. Yeah. I'm not really worried about it. I'm gonna be here a while, y'all. Shouts yeah. out to the moon. Um, R.E. Stoner, dude, um, I'd like to holler at Dan Cortez briefly. It was brought to my attention last week. I said that uh, my long hair in the backwards hat was Fun Bobby-like. Yeah. Wrong. Fun Bobby was on Friends. Dan Cortez was Tony mm. on Seinfeld. That's who I'm referring to. Uh, he tells George to step off. Step off, George. Yeah. And he falls in a rock climbing incident when uh, Kramer and George failed to... Did he live? He lived, but he got real banged up. His face was no longer. You know that happened to Hank Williams Jr.? No. Yeah, fell off a giant mountain in Montana. I did not know that. Yeah, I mean, like, really wild story. You should wiki that. Okay. Without further ado, let's go straight into Keckner, shall we? Yes. Who has two favorite teams, is what I hear. We do talk about the, the little issue he has. Well, I don't see it as an issue. As a New York Knicks fan and a Portland Trailblazers fan, somebody with a proud side team. I don't hide my side team. Boston Celtics. It's For three, you. Three's company. That's right. Keckner likes two pro football teams. We'll talk about that. This is awesome. David Keckner's joining us. Uh, and you know I'm from a whole plethora of roles, but uh, you know we're both big office fans. We know Todd Packer well. Uh, for better or for worse. <laughs> He was such a. I know. <laughs> well, it's you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a warning. Todd Packer is is a warning of you know, don't do this. Yeah, exactly. He was like, "What not to do around the office?" Well, I guess since we're here, yeah, and we can skip right to it. Um, Todd Packer, who was his favorite team? You think in real life? Packer. Well, I, I, I. Of course, so it's, we can only go by what's written in those scripts. And it was never, he never, there's no reference to him ever enjoying uh, sports. So my guess is this then. Um, he would be, it would be transactional. Con, at whatever convenience it serves him, he will love whatever team serves his purposes. So right? he, he was a drifter. Well, yeah, I mean, look, he's a he's an awful devious person and a narcissist and a creep and a, a homophobe and a misogynist and a xenophobe. He's an awful guy. Yeah. Right. So he would do whatever it took to manipulate whatever. And so if he's a salesman. Right. And um, I'm assuming that he did sales only in Pennsylvania. I don't know. Yeah. But if he did go to any other state. He would go. Yeah, I love the Jets. Right. <laughs> Or, or Philadelphia. No, don't put that evil on us. Don't put that evil on us, Ricky Bobby. Please. No, no, that's just, that's Packer. Yeah. I'm yeah. not Packer. Yeah. Now, it's fun to laugh at Packer, which is fine. And a lot of people hate Todd Packer, which should be the point. Yes. Right? But the people that laugh at Todd Packer recognize we're all making fun of that type of guy. Absolutely. Yeah. Xenophobe, maybe the Washington football team. Maybe he should be a Washington football wow. team fan, yeah. and he's p- p- bitching and moaning about changing. That's right. Uh, the logo and the name. Yeah, I think that makes sense. He I would like come that. up with something more offensive. Yeah, exactly. Like what is this? Uh, he's a participation Packer. trophy complainer guy. Yes, exactly. It'd be hard for Packer to come up with something more offensive than Redskins. That's yes. pretty awful. 
but he might have it in him. Uh, oh, oh, Packer has it in him. Yeah, yes, he's, he's got it in him. And yeah. then, and then the other role, which um, which so many of us know from golly, it's it feels like yesterday. But Anchorman, it's it's been a while. Champ Kine, who was magnificent, uh, also a quirky guy to say the least, which might be a euphemism. Uh, well, he's he's Champ is 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 complicated. Yeah, you know. He's so desperate for love, um, and he's just completely confused. He's just a raw nerve, really, you know, champ, which is why it's so much fun to play a guy like that. You got the team polo, though, and that's, that's yes. why you're here. We've been having you know, musicians, actors on, that type of thing, to ask uh, them some football questions. And there's a recurring theme here that we had John Hamm on recently. He's a Chiefs fan. You're a Chiefs he fan. Is. Rod's a Chiefs fan. Are well, you I knew guys, that. Oh, wait, one second. So did John, did John just recently become a Chiefs fan? Yes. That, that was He's the, a Johnny come lately. He, yeah. he okay, says no, that. I, he, we'll, I hope we're collecting all former St. Louis fans. Yes, that's, I think that's You the, are. Okay. I think you're basically, there's a gravitational pull westward since Stan Kroenke grabbed the team and, yeah. and rolled out. But, but the thing that jumped out to me, and you got to be excited about your Chiefs, is you got two favorite teams is what I hear. Well, uh, I, yes, as uh, it's called sometimes a side team. Side I lived team. in Chicago, I lived in Chicago for nine years, and uh, you cannot help but be pulled into the uh, vortex, the tractor beam like gravity that is the Chicago sports fan. And you know, I was there in uh, I I moved to Chicago in eighty seven. Yeah. So just right after the Super Bowl. So the town is just all bears all the time. And then I happen to be there during that bull's reign. So, oh my God. I, you know, only, can I curse in here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We Hell yeah. A lot. Fuck yeah. Okay. Oh, whoa. If, if, you're, if you're living in, a, in Chicago during that period of time or any period, only an asshole could refuse yeah. to root for Chicago sports <laughs> yeah. team. Yeah. They, you know, they, I, don't care, I don't care if you're a hardcore fan of anything, if you're living in Chicago, at the very minimum, you have to love what it is, the Chicago sports um, rabidity, you know? Yeah. If anything, you just have to appreciate it. You can still love your teams, but you got to go, yes, hats off to all Chicago sports. So you fans. got caught at a weak moment uh, and kind of fell in love with your side team. Yes, yes. And then again, this is still, this is the 80s. You still don't have sports packages. Hmm. So you can't watch your team. That's a great point. So so Sunday Sundays, I'm watching the Bears with my all my comedy buddies, yeah. and then I have to wait for George Michael's sports machine to get Chiefs highlights. <laughs> he would literally have this console. He'd push it as if he was rolling the tape. So you'd have to catch all of your NFL highlights from him Sunday night. So guys in the 80s mentioned this recently, actually. I was talking to my pops about it. He's like, we would fly home, and you wouldn't know who the, the team in the division, you wouldn't know that this team won or lost. Like, you would have to learn about it on the phone or yes. You yes. Know, late at night, kind of like what you're talking about. So yes. I, I remember, I'm older than your dad. Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. I don't want to put you on the spot here. but no, what I'm 58. I'm 58. He's 60 now. No shit. Yeah, he just looks like he's been cryogenically frozen like Ted Holy Williams. Fuck, he looks amazing. I know, I hate it. Wow. I hate it. Well, I that's resent, good for you. 
I, That's good for you. It is good for me, except when people are like, you guys look like brothers. And I'm like, do I look 55 or does he look 38? Listen, it's a good thing to look like your father. He's also a very handsome He's a man. handsome dude, that jaw. Cut glass with that jaw. Now, let me say this in a different way as champ kind. Ah, uh, yeah. That fella. I mean, he's out there getting it. I mean, he's in that three-point stance. Oh, yeah, champ. You the like fella's got to, you know, pay attention. So, uh, H. Long, you know, yeah, just kind of get hot under the collar watching his play on screen. Hey, and the funniest thing about that is, isn't at the end of Anchorman they throw this nugget in there that Champ got in trouble because he sexually harassed Terry Bradshaw? Yes. And only my dad gets to sexually harass Terry Bradshaw, okay? Yeah. Does he? Okay, good. Only only him. Um, So I guess we're really on board with the side team thing. I think like... Well, again, so especially, I like that. You're not getting any NFL during the day except whatever's being played locally yeah. and the other channel that plays whatever, right? Yeah. So that's all you get. And then, it, you know, I could watch the Chiefs like that. Let's see. The Chiefs with uh, with Steve DeBerg made the playoffs that year, that one year. So those games would be uh, aired, right? Right. But, of course, I'd be working. I was working at a, a restaurant, I remember. Uh, during that playoff, and, and I kept having to run into the bar just to see what's going on. So that's why you have a side team. Yeah, you're not able to, uh, you know, see your your team week to week. So you gotta you wanna watch football and like that. It's easy to get sucked into the Bears. So should guys have should it be grandfathered in in the year of our Lord 2020 with all the packages and such? Like it's fair that you have a side team because of your experience in the 80s. How could you not get sucked into that? Right. You know, it was late. The Bears were there. They looked so good. Right. They were right there. You were far from home. In 2020, dudes should not be acquiring side teams. Is that is that the take? I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, in fact, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I don't I don't watch the Bears now. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll check on them. And, of course, all my buddies are from Chicago, so I'll hear about it. I'm, I'm happy that they're 3-0. Uh, Nick Foles has got to be uh, – someone's got to write the Nick Foles book. Dude. How many times does a guy have to come back and go, no, no, I'm elite. No, I mean, like, it's. I was saying this last week and just seeing it up close in 2017 and also playing with him in St. Louis when he was the opposite end of the spectrum. It also proves that quarterbacks, like, context matters. You know, what's around you matters. But also, like, Nick, I think is, he goes, good stop, bad stop, good stop, bad stop. Last year was a bad stop. I think we're due for a good stop, and that's scary for teams in the NFC North. But he got hurt, right? How, uh, how, yeah, it was he got hurt the first game of the season last year against your Chiefs, uh, throwing oh, no, a dime no, into the end zone and okay. got his collarbone broken. By the time he got back, it was like Minshew mania. So, um, would you? Was, ha- was, was he not picked up this year? Was he? Just, he didn't have a contract at the beginning of the year with anybody. No. So basically, Chicago traded a twenty twenty fourth for him, um, and. You know, like he's still getting paid by Jacksonville to the tune oh, of nice. not all eighty-eight million, but it's it's uh, it's one of those oh, so things. Oh, good. He did he did get a fat contract. Then great. Yeah, great, great. He, he he's a great person. Like one of the the best human beings. Like playing with him, you're just like I always will wish this guy well. So would you compare Sherman Oaks twenty twenty football town Chicago nineteen eighty seven football <laughs> town? How could you compare the two? You you in L.A. When uh, the Dodgers are in the World Series, you don't even know it. Right. That tells you everything about this 
place as a sports town. I just, you don't know it yeah. unless you go to a sports bar. Now there are fans, right? Because then, but the nature of this, this city is just a sprawl. It's literally a County. Yeah. So it's, I, there's just not that, you know, congealing nature of sports fandom. And of course also LA is mostly transplants. Right. Presumably. So you don't, you don't have that fever pitch love and allegiance to teams that you see in Kansas city and Chicago and New York. If David Keckner was a football player, what position and what football player would you want to be? Um, oh, you want to be? Let's see. I guess I would probably be a defensive end. Nice. Um, I was very slight in high school. Yeah. I was uh, when I started high school. I was five foot tall, ninety nine pounds. Still, when <laughs> I, <laughs> why'd you start high school so early, David? I know. No, no, you were I very was smart. I was, <laughs> they put you. I in. was thirteen, dude. I was thirteen. That's crazy. Uh, and I so I didn't really grow much. Um, I was uh, I was <laughs> I was a tackle. I my by the time I was done with high school, I was still only five ten. I think I weighed 150. So a wisp, yeah. a wisp of a tackle. Yeah. So, you know, not, not really. And my footwork is, is not existent. <laughs> I'll say this. No one even, I don't even know. Oh, we had the, um, uh, you know, the ladder drill was, was, uh, the one with the ropes elevated. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's the worst. That you, you, it's so scary. You could fall in front of people. Yes. yes. So that's why they've gotten rid of those, right? Yeah, because it's embarrassing. That's the only fucking well, reason. You know, you got a 300-pound guy behind you or in front of you. You're like, oh, Jesus Christ, I'm yeah. going to die. Um, so, yeah, I guess um, if I could be anyone, anyone I guess it would be, you know, uh, uh, Chris Long is there. there an answer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then you'd that's be, the right answer. You'd have a podcast that's doing <laughs> relatively well. Hey, listen. And I, I, could, I, could, I could be uh, sitting next to Macon every week. That's exactly. the, he, he nailed the name. There are hey, worse lots in life. What was the question going to be about? What, it, what does Macon look like for the listeners out there? Because a lot of listeners are really enthralled with my guy's voice, his kind of deadpan delivery. He's what a handsome he, guy. He's a handsome kid. I know. In reality, you hear that, folks. He's handsome. But what, is, what, what does he look like his name should be, Dave? Uh, I, I, mean, I gotta zoom in or something. I, um, what do you mean? What should be? I, I don't know because it's Macon. What's your middle name, Macon? That would be Macon. There you go. Oh, oh, you're you're a good looking kid. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, David. Your middle name's Macon. That's right. What's your first name? Bradford. Bradford's pretty strong. Yeah, they're both strong. It's like it's it's like having the Bears and the Chiefs to choose from right now. So, but I, but not Brad. No, Dad's Brad, but he's a Bradley. It's all very it's all. No, Bradford, confusing. Hey, Bradford's strong. I can understand why they called you Macon because then in the house, anytime someone says Brad, everyone goes what? That's exactly right. Yeah, exactly, but, exactly. And how about my dad naming our third kid, my youngest brother Howie? So <laughs> he, he just forgot that he wanted to name well, a kid after himself and names my I youngest brother Howie Junior. You can only say that he got sentimental for himself yeah. in his later years. <laughs> On the way out, he was like, yeah. "You know what? I need to I need to keep this name alive." Um, yeah. Do you have any upcoming? So is, is it Howie or Howard? Dad, it's okay. This is funny. So it's Howard Matthew Moses Long. Wow, Moses is badass. Yeah, yeah, Moses is tough. I would have changed my name to Moses. You're a Howard as well. Christopher Howard Long. He put Howard in like... Wait a minute. 
Okay. Yeah. So, come on. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, your, 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 your excuse is, is not holding up in court okay. or your father's namesake, but all yeah. right. Yeah. Well, you know, he's just, he's just such an alpha with the haircut and the jaw. He had to name everybody Howard in some capacity. Really? I don't see it. Well, he, I'm he's, kidding. I'm kidding. He's all excited. I'm kidding. We go. We got a fucking crew cut. He's the, still a uh, buckus. How do you pull a crew cut off in 2020? He does, though, doesn't he? He does. I mean, like, I'm not, there's no complaints here. His hairline's also terrific. How about that? And things tight, so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's anger-inducing. <laughs> hey, David, when I put on seven consecutive Office episodes, are you seeing residuals? On no, the not regular? anymore. No, because you're watching, where are you watching? Netflix, Hulu, or Comedy Central? Netflix. Yeah, then no. See, those those things are all now have just now been readjusted or will be readjusted because there's a new contract that just got negotiated. Because for, for years, what the uh, the the studios uh, would say is like, we don't know streaming. Who knows? It might not even work. And then you're like, wait a minute. Right. Um, that's where everything is now is streaming. So those adjustments will be made and you'll start seeing some residuals again. But, um, you know, I've done so many different things that I... Uh, I can't complain about residuals. I get I get something coming almost every day from somewhere. Well, wait till you. What you want is to get the firestorm checks that my dad gets, or the broken arrow checks from his acting foray. Nice. I mean, they're keeping the lights on here. This is. Oh yeah. come on. Yeah, he's sending me checks. Uh, he just sends me the firestorm uh, royalties. Hey, you do improv. That scares me a lot. Like, like just the thought of being up on stage. Whether you're doing stand up or improv, like. For a football, it's terrifying. Somebody like yourself might look out on the field and be like, that shit is, looks violent and well, scary. I mean, at, at that your level, yeah, I'm not going to do anything at your level. But I'm watching at your level, and I'm like, that's some scary shit right there. What, okay. is, is improv terrifying, or by no. virtue of doing it for so long, are you just like, you know what? I'm okay with not being great tonight. If it, if it falls on its face, it falls on its face. Well, let's just, I mean, that's not even a possibility. There we go. <laughs> so here's the thing. So the thing that scares you is being on stage or having to perform. I don't you know. On, um, so I, you, I, I'm guessing you probably host functions. Like they ask you to, will you host this dinner or this charity thing? Do, do you do things like that? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay, so you're, you're comfortable in front of people. I'm not though. I get really oh. nervous talking in front of people. Okay. Can I offer you something? Yeah, I'd love that. Drugs Just and alcohol. This. Drugs and alcohol. That's what usually no, helps me. No, no. Straight edge. Uh, never take drugs or alcohol before you are going to do a, a, a performance in front of people because you're disrespecting yourself and your audience and you Ooh. will not be your best self. Wow. That's what I've always okay. said. Yeah. That's what he always says. So, number two, this is more important than the stupid thing. Imagine the audience naked. No, that's still a defeatist way of doing it. So the only way you can succeed is if you put someone else at a disadvantage. False premise. Mm. Here's what's true. If you are so bold, any of us, so bold as to decide, okay, I can go up in front of this group of people and say something, correct? Yeah. What does everybody in that audience want? They want you to succeed. Yeah. Any, anytime you see someone get up in front of a podium, you're, 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 most of your mind just accepts that they have the ability to do it. Mm. 
And if, it, if it's not necessarily great, you're still part of you is going, oh, I hope it gets better. I hope this person is able to end strong. So if you go out there just knowing they're already on your side, unless you're you know, some contemptible person that's a lightning rod for negativity, and that means your, 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 your history of you know, being a human being has been a negative. Yeah, a net negative anyway, to society if, and mankind. Yes, but if you're, if you're a good person, then every good person in the audience is brooding for you. So just remember that when you're in front of people. No one's up there judging you. No one can ever judge you probably as much as you judge yourself anyway. Are, so you, then, are you a great wedding toast giver? I'm the best. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a good wedding toast giver. I'll, I'll give myself that. I mean, I have really knocked it out of the park at times, but there was alcohol involved there. But that's, that's acceptable. That's okay. different because everyone in that particular moment is doing is in the same place so that's a chemical joining of of of, of that thing that's different so while we're here then what's a, a no-no for a wedding toast because i've seen so many bad ones and that's oh, well, one that you really you're like please don't bomb this thing well just don't embarrass yourself or the groom or the bride or their families that's good just yeah, check just, those i guess yeah, in short in short don't be stupid yeah i was stupid yeah. at my own wedding which you were there. I was there. I, uh, I, I started to thank everyone for coming, but I read everything that Elwood Blues said at... Um, Rubber Biscuit? Wherever, essentially. I, I thanked all the members of the Illinois Law Enforcement Patrol nice. for joining us here in the Palace I'm Hotel Ballroom. i the only person who got it. And nobody... It was dead silent. I mean, it's okay. It, Some, somebody in the room got it. What, yeah. Not to mention it was a wedding this past March, which feels like a million years ago. It was the last large gathering of people, relatively speaking. He had it at his his bride's house. So imagine hearing that toast and it falls on deaf ears. But I knew and, it would. And, I had confidence. And the, movie, and the movie came out before you were born. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So, so that's a, that is a foul. I mean, the people going, I mean, you didn't even go, hey, Anybody remember Blues Brothers? No, just well, straight into it. Into something that you loved from your childhood, assuming everyone had the exact same moments in childhood that you did. That's okay. You learn from it. And now forever, anytime that you ever run into someone from your wedding, you're like, so what was that thing you said? <laughs> nah, you know what the worst part was? Dave, he, he planted, he, I was a plant. He warned me what the toast was going to be. And he said, hey, if you can in any way, just kind of like, Shout out, oh, Blues Brothers. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That would be great. So I did. I was like, oh, he's, he's doing the Blues Brothers thing. And people just didn't fucking get it. So hats off to you for sitting through that. Um, Macon, I'm glad you're not in law enforcement. <laughs> me too. Me, me three. Hey, listen, can you plant this? <laughs> yes. Hey, listen, I don't, I don't need think a I should have arrested this person. Can you plant it? Uh, David, thanks so much for being here, man. We really pleasure. appreciate it. It's a pleasure, pleasure talking to you. You too. Uh, so just as far as plugs go, there's a movie out right now called The Great Divide. Uh, okay, Great can, Divide. Uh, Great Divide. You can find it on streaming services somehow. You know, people go, where is it? I, I don't know. I love that. Google it, right? Just Google it. I'm not going to spit out the, the, oh, you can find it here. The Great Divide. Uh, uh, David Cross is the, the, the lead. He wrote it. He stars in it. He's wonderful as always. Next week, I've got a new movie coming out called Faith Based. Uh, again, I'm sure it's on multiple platforms. And then I continue to recur on The Goldbergs. Are you binging anything right now in the pandemic? I don't binge. I'm 58. <laughs> so what does that mean? You don't binge stuff at 58? 
No, I've got five kids, brother. Oh, do you have five kids? Yes. I mean, my, my energies are how can I, uh, well, what I've failed, you know, how can I serve my kids? Because that's what it's come to these yeah. days. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're raising them, but really there was the misfortune of my generation of being far too easy on them. Yeah. And now you're trying to correct your mistakes. You're like, nope, you're going to do it yourself. <laughs> um, I don't assume that your father ever was a weak. No, uh, he was a pretty strong figure. And in fact, yeah. he used to have it out for Macon because Macon wrote a disparaging article when he used to work for the Daily Progress about our high school football team. Well, was it true, though? It no. was abs. Thank you. Finally, somebody <laughs> asked the right question. Yes, it was 100% true. It was about okay. strength of schedule. Oh, okay. As long as it's true. Wait, your father was mad about someone talking about strength of schedule? You know, How the much irony time you is have? my dad doesn't trust sports media, maybe, from being a player for so long. And, you know, he's just oh, thinking, God. hey, one of your best friends at school is sniping the strength of schedule for the local newspaper? His youngest son, Little Howie, as we've covered. He doesn't was, like the name Little Howie. Sorry. How, we're, we're on Howie no, Jr. No, now? No, Even it's though it's Howie the Junior? Younger. It's Howie, Howie. Thank you, David. Younger Howie. Howie the Younger. Howie the Younger. Howie the Younger was quarterbacking an undefeated team, and I just wrote a story about how our alma mater hadn't been playing the toughest competition, and I was... Well, you came at the namesake, buddy. I was uh, persona non grata. With this information, um, (laughs) it is understood how a father would look askance Askance. at any... That, that, that somehow you're, you're saying that his, his accomplishments were not true. Yeah, or, or, yeah, yeah. Or, that's basically or, what he was doing, which was just didn't, didn't make me mad, but it took about two years with Flat Top. He was, yeah, 12 maybe, years. 12 years. Yeah. Where, where, did, where did Howie the, the Younger wind up? He wound up at Virginia playing lacrosse, and now he's out in Vegas uh, working for the Raiders. So my man lives in Henderson. He's loving life. And still... Uh, a bunch of records, even despite the strength of schedule, the jerseys on the wall they're making. So you got to live with that. Uh, well, it was earned, it was regardless. Earned. Listen, yes. honest reporting. Yes, the, his ownership and of recognition is is true and honest and earned. He is going <laughs> to love hearing you say this because my little brother is a friend of the program. I, I would hope. Um, okay, but but it's true. These things are true. So let's just do the facts. They're not going to put his jersey up there if it's if it's not earned. Period. No no argument here. No, and it's not it's not his decision who they play or how good the other teams weren't during his tenure. Yeah. No, I agree. The fact fact that you were able to point that out—that's separate of him. Thank you, David. (laughs) I I had a job to do myself. Yes. None of these things have anything to do with each other. Yeah, there's something about being, be, two be, things being would, mutually exclusive or not being mutually yes. exclusive here. It would be much worse, Macon, if you just tried to go against what you believe to be your honest, true journalism, journalistic integrity. The compass. Right? I so casted you, no aspersions, David. I didn't besmirch you. anybody's oh, name. Right. You talked about the schedule. You didn't say, you know, uh, how the younger is weak throwing across the field or holds the ball too long or, or seems uh, or, or can't stand in the pocket. Those things weren't said, were they? No. I said, hey, the hey, other then. club is running out 12 guys total. Okay. <laughs> only one so, is not playing both sides of the ball. You're, you're only mentioning factual evidence, not disparaging the younger, 
Uh, and again, since the youngest jersey still hangs in the hallowed halls of insert high school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dave, you know, appreciate you, man. I want to let you go because I know it's 439 and we took a lot of time more than we thought. It's fun. Um, you're Get the man, on. dude. I, I really uh, appreciate you coming on. Come back anytime. Talk right about on. the Chiefs. Go, go Chiefs. Told you that guy was cool. A lot of fun. Golly, he's he's great. We got to have him back again. Uh, really generous with his time. And as it turns out, Chicago Bears are just a just in case team for him. Daggone, we talked about names. His kids are Margot, Charlie, Sergeant, Audrey, and Eve. Those are some cool names. Those are great names. Uh, I shouldn't say this because my lovely wife would be mad, but Margot was on the really short list for us if we had a girl. Yeah. It's a great name. Yeah. Um, also, there's a female name question in the mailbag, so stay tuned for that. Oh, cool. We'll answer it over a small bowl of mayonnaise. Sounds great. And a lap full of vomit. Week three of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four. There's no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of Week 4, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code GREENLIGHT when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during Week 4, bet $1 on them, and win $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use promo code GREENLIGHT during sign-up for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. Profit boost terms and conditions and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, so without further ado, let's uh, check in with Jaws on all things QBs. So for the Philly faithful, I mean, we got a lot of listeners here from Philly. We always appreciate y'all. We love y'all. And... Uh, I am pleased to announce we got one of the legends to ever wear Kelly Green, the biggest legends in one of the biggest legends in Eagles history, Ron Jaworski, right here. And with so much talk about quarterbacks, I feel like it's the perfect time to have you on. Ron, how are you? Chris, great to be with you and good luck with the show. Always love talking football and you know, guys like yourself, your dad, your family. I know how much you guys love the game and you do so much in the community as well. And, you know, living in the Philadelphia area. Um, I want you to know how much people appreciate what you've done for our community. So thanks for that, and thanks for the great work that you've done as a player. And now, just having fun talking ball. Yeah, man, it's it's like a different. And I appreciate all that, Jaws. It means a lot coming from you. The city gets in your blood, right? It's just it's just different. Yeah, no, no question. You know, I, I came to you know to Philadelphia after four years in Los Angeles, and it was kind of a culture shock. Yeah. You know, it was a little, a little bit different. Yeah, but you realized how passionate Philadelphia sports fans are. And obviously my relationship has been primarily with the Eagles, but I'm a sports fan. Yeah. I go to Sixers game, Flyers games, Phillies games, union games. You know, I own the, uh, the soul, the arena team for a number of years before the league collapsed last year. And you realize how the fans love sports in Philadelphia, right. Villanova, Temple, you name it, Delaware, even though they're down the road, people get really involved with their team. So, you know, I'm a sports guy. You know, that's, that's kind of been the fabric of my life. You know, I own golf courses now, so obviously that keeps, uh, you know, the sports part of it constantly moving forward. Yeah, man, we were talking about golf offline. I got to learn. One of these days you got to teach <laughs> me uh, how to play because, I, I, you know, 
I, every all my friends are picking it up. I see all these football players just obsessed with it, and I'm the odd man out. I got to learn. But well, let's start with Philly because because we're on it. You know, obviously the team's struggling right now, uh, and there's a ton of issues with the roster. We can get into that, but but Carson Wentz, who it's no secret I'm a big fan of, and last year. I felt like I was defending him every week, and I'm like, who's he throwing to? Uh, but this year, I'm not sure it's gotten better from an injury standpoint around him, uh, from a roster standpoint around him, but he hasn't been able to duplicate that heroic effort. What are you seeing? Is it mechanics? Is it confidence? Is it mental to you? You know, you know Chris, we, we've learned one thing by being around the business, you and I, as long as we have. It's never one thing. Yeah. It's never one thing. Football is the consummate team game. And you know to win world championships, your offense, your defense, your special teams, coaching staff, all have to be on the same page. Uh, right now, I, I'm, I'm going to be blatantly honest with you. The team's a mess. Yeah. You know, I look at the tape. Uh, I, I was watching the uh, the Baltimore-Kansas City game uh, in my office at home uh, Monday night. And my wife kept coming in because I got the big screen TV. And I'm watching the game on ESPN. And I got my computer here and I'm watching the Eagles game tape because I get coaching tape after every game. And I can look at who I want. So. The, the third time, and you know when you look at a play, we don't look at it one time. You look at it a number of times. Mm-hmm. I went through the tape three times. Every play, you know, so probably look at each play maybe 30 times. And just trying to figure out what was wrong with Carson. And and there, there, like I said, there, there are a lot of things. Um, week one was different. He was holding on to the football. You know, week two, again, I thought he played much better, but the interceptions hurt him. Yeah. You know, week three – trying to work through it. And I thought he played really hard. He was tenacious. He was diving for first downs. I mean, he was into the game, but he wasn't seeing the field with clarity. And, and, and you know, having played the position for 17 years, you know, some days you come out there, man, and you're feeling it. Now you're mm-hmm. seeing everything. You know where the defense is. You're audible at the line. You're, you know, pre-snap. You're killing. You're getting the right play. I don't sense he's in that zone right now. Right. And, and if I had the, the tape right here, I could show you three or four plays and say, there were guys open. He just didn't hit him. And that meant to me he didn't see them because he has the God-given talent. I mean, the, the, the touchdown pass he threw to Ward with like 20 seconds ago in the first half was a great play call against Porter's coverage. You know, they blow the coverage to a certain degree. The corner doesn't drop back. He lets Ward go by. The route pattern keeps the safety kind of in the middle of the field. You know, Ward's wide open, and Carson rips a throw in there. But his vision, his eye manipulation was right. He was down the middle of the field, didn't allow the defense to know where he was going. Perfect. But I go back about three minutes before that play, they have a series where the same play at the 27-yard line is called, not the 29. It's the same play. Ward is wide open. He doesn't see him. Right. So he saw it with clarity a little later. They probably told him on the sideline, you missed it. But that's what I'm saying. There are plays on the field that he's missing right now. So the clarity with which you need to play the position, he doesn't have at the moment. I think he'll work his way through it. Do you think some quarterbacks are, I mean, I, I would assume it's a yes, but, you know, because there's some players like Jadavian Clowney so gifted. He he had one padded practice and showed up and played the first 13 snaps at mile high <laughs> against Denver. And he wasn't spectacular, but the guy just picks up football and, and does it. And Although Carson is a rare talent, and I said that on the podcast last week, and sometimes these Philly f- fans push back on that. I'm like, if you can't see he's a rare talent, I mean, we, we can't even have this conversation. But even a rare talent is not necessarily going to be able to go out there and just wing it. And do you think preseason affects some quarterbacks more than others? And, and why would that be? Because I'm looking at it, and I'm saying to myself, 
you know, maybe it's a big deal to him that he's not getting these field looks uh, for a month in preseason live bullets, and you're alluding to a vision issue. Yeah, I, I wouldn't use the pandemic and the lack of offseason and training camp and preseason games as an excuse. Because yeah. you can look around the league and see a lot of guys playing at a very high level that had to deal with the same pandemic, coronavirus, lack of practice, lack of timing, lack of repetition. So I wouldn't say that's the reason. If I would put my finger on a couple things, I think you know wide receivers and quarterbacks have to be on the same page as far as what they see when you make adjustments to what the defense does. Yeah. So that certainly compounded things. I don't think he trusts everyone quite yet, except for Zach Ertz. He's probably the only guy he really feels comfortable throwing the football to with Dallas Goddard out. You know, that compounds the problem. Yeah. And the offensive line has been sketchy. And you know, we all know Jason Peters is going to the Hall of Fame. He's one of the you know best left tackles ever to play the game. You had to face him many days in yeah, practice. He's tough. He was still tough late in his career. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he's not the same guy he was. And then you got injuries, you know, with, with, to the offensive line. That certainly hurts. And the continuity just isn't there. But what I did like against the Bengals last week, at least they stayed committed to the run. Yeah. You know, Miles was having a, you know, he was having a strong game. Would have been over 100 um, if they kept more committed to the running game. But, you know, one thing about the quarterback position, you got to have all the components around you playing well. And, you know, they reflect so much on your performance. But maybe, Chris, the one thing that really has bothered me, the interceptions. Yeah. And you got as a defender, you always knew if we flip the field, we're going to win. If we turn the ball over for the defense so our offense a good field position, we're going to win. Give him a short field to work with. And that's what Carson's doing. He's thrown six interceptions. They've all been his fault. And that's not his you know, MO. He's been It's not his MO. He's, he's not been a very been so low percentage thrower interception. Yeah, yeah I agree for, with for, you. for somebody who, if I had a knock on him, doesn't know when to quit on a play sometimes because he is so competitive and you alluded to, hey, listen, that last drive against Cincinnati, the heart's not the problem. The one-two's not the problem. He's running through safeties, backers, yep. diving in the end zone. The guy is a competitor. Sometimes yep. I think that works against him when he tries to overextend plays and doesn't just eat it, and you alluded to that in week one. But, you know, it, it's, it's just one of those things where – it's been like the last couple games around the 28-minute mark, and it happened in Washington. Yep. You had your bad run of throws, and then you know the 28-minute mark around there last week. Even you've got three throws in a row that you miss. You know, you, I think you miss Ertz twice, yep. uh, and you miss Miles, and it, it starts this run of bad uh, momentum or luck or, or that sort of thing. How do you, as a quarterback, just get over the hump when you when you've been in the dumps for a quarter? or you, you've had a bad game. Right now he's slumping, right? I'm sure you slumped in the toughest city in America to play quarterback in as well, in, in Philly. How did you overcome that? Chris, it's, that's, that's a great question because when, when I talk to other quarterbacks around the league, you know, when I, when I was doing Monday Night Football and you spend these time with players in production meetings, they would ask me a lot of questions, right. you know? We get out of the production meeting with producer and you start talking to guys. Hey, Jaws, how did you handle this? Well, you know, they wanted my, you know, for me, my experience. And and I've talked to a lot of young quarterbacks that, that dealt with adversity. And I can only tell them what I did. And first of all, I'd get pissed I, I, at myself. You know, and I, you know, I'm not at coaches or anyone else. Or I say, you know what? I'm better than the way I'm playing. Right. So you just, just get that mental attitude. It's me against the world. Because really, if you look at Carson right now, that's what it is. Him and his yeah. team, they're hunkering down. You know, they're getting that me against world mentality because no one in Philadelphia is happy. No, <laughs> no one is happy. You know? <laughs> in fact, they are pissed. You yeah. know? And, and so Carson's got to develop that attitude 
you know, because you never play for the fans. You know, you, 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 we may say that, but you play for your teammates yeah. and you play for your job, you know. But he's got to get a little angry about his attitude toward playing these games. I think sometimes he may be a little bit too laissez-faire. I think I'd rather see him get a little ticked off and everybody maybe say, hey, maybe jump down someone's throat if they broke a route or maybe get in some offense arms and say, let's go, you know. Um, I'm not advocating that, but I think there's got to no, be a little you, anger but in his you're, approach. You're yeah. right, and we saw a little bit of it when he slammed his helmet, you know, Sunday. Yeah. I, like, listen, I, I get sometimes we litigate this quarterback this way and this quarterback that way and their sideline antics. I'm happy to see Carson mad, you know, to your point. I yeah. know it means something to him. I think to his teammates it's good to see it mean something to him. They know that anyways, but it's just like – what can you channel that anger and turn it into? I said this with Zach Ertz a couple weeks ago. His first week, he was frustrated. You could tell because of the contract situation. And I'd be frustrated yeah. too. I think as a player, sometimes the business side can seep into your head. The difference between playing sad and mad, you know, like don't play sad. Go play pissed off. Go yeah. get mad at the other 11 because of what the front office has done to you or how you perceive that to be or the throws you've made or if I'm getting blocked for four, four weeks in a row and I don't have a sack, if I'm Cam Jordan and I'm slumping right now, I'm going to go yep. play mad. I'm not going to go play sad. And there's a big difference. It sounds simple, but I think it's a great point. Yeah, and, and, and you know, you, you mentioned the fact that he did show some anger after missing Sanders on that double move route. Oh my, yeah, I mean, you know he can if he threw that ball 50 times, he's going to hit 49. Yes. I mean, Sanders puts a you know a slant on corner jumps. It's a it's not a corner. It's a linebacker. Yeah, it's a linebacker. You know, I guarantee you, when Carson came out of the huddle, he's doing whoo whoo whoo. You know, at least he's a linebacker buzz out yeah. there. You know, he's oh, I got this one. Uh -huh. I got a double move. He's four yards behind him, and that, that's the one. You know, if you're putting tokens in the basket of the uh, caution of bridges in Philadelphia, you drop it in. That's how easy that throw was. No and doubt. he missed it. Yeah. And he was kicked, and he should have been. Hey, I've missed throws, too. Every quarterback that plays in this game for a period of time, you're going to miss throws. It's just part of it. But, so, you know, if you win and other guys pick it up, it's forgotten. See, when you you're, lose, you're darn right. Yeah, if stop. you win, it, it, it cures all. It's like Dallas coming back to beat a lowly Atlanta right now. The difference is an onside kick. Nothing else was changed about that game. But Nothing. instead, it's a heroic comeback. Otherwise, it'd be everybody on first take, first take melting down about Dallas, and maybe we should be anyways. And we'll get to Dallas in a second. <laughs> was there any moment like that you could illustrate your time in Philly where you really dealt with it from a criticism standpoint or from like, a man, the fans have turned on me a little bit in, in this moment? Oh, Chris, I, I got a great story for you. Because uh, I, I get asked all the time, how do you do with them? The fans are booing and on you. And I said, well, I, for me, it was Philadelphia. It's, you know, I, I, I played a game against the Colts one year. I hit my first nine, the 10th, I missed. They started booing. You know, I'm, I, well, I'm at 90%, you know. <laughs> but the one that was really funny, which impacted on my teammates, um, we're playing a game at a veteran stadium before the, the, the Lincoln Financial Field was built. And, you know, I'm kind of standing next to the coordinator, and I'm, I'm not having a real good game. And I'm kind of, you know, you're thinking to yourself, okay, I got to run out there with my offensive guys. As 11 guys were standing there ready to run in the field, and I'll blend in with them, you know, I'm just right. one, one, one of the right. 11. Coach calls me back, so I'm, I'm going to change the play. So the 10 guys run out on the field, and I'm thinking, oh, crap, man, I got to run out there by myself, you know. So now <laughs> I get the play, and I'm running on the field, and also, boo, boo. Okay, I guess they're booing me, right? <laughs> I can't hide with the other 10 guys. So here's kind of what, what a, a tipping point. I walk in the huddle, 
And I look at my center, Jerry Fury. And I also sensed the other nine guys, their two eyes were looking at me. So now there were 20 guys, 20 eyeballs on me in that huddle. And this was, like I said, a kind of a tipping point. They wanted to see how I was going to handle the fans on my butt, booing me as I came on the field. So I got in the huddle. I kind of looked around. I looked at everybody. This big smile on my face said, man, they still love me. <laughs> and everybody and everybody cracked up. Yeah. You know, it kind of took the edge off it, you know. Yeah. And they saw, hey, Jaws isn't bothered by this. It's not impacting You know, you make light. Of, I, it wasn't like something I thought about. It just was a spontaneous act. They love me. You know, but it's true. On the, like, you're a leader. People look to you to see if you're rattled. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly. it. And, and if you show, I have no you idea why at that it. moment I thought of that, but I did. And it, it, it worked. We went 80 yards for a touchdown. But it was <laughs> true. They did still love you, Jaws. Yeah. Uh, how about... How about the team in Dallas since since we went there for a second? What's Jerry Jones doing with the radio show and the Tony versus Dak comparison in crunch time? By the way, Romo has 24 uh, career fourth-quarter comebacks. Dak has 15 career game-winning drives. I don't think of Dak and think not clutch. Is he trying to drive the price down? First knee-jerk reaction is it's Jerry. You know, There's yeah, always Jerry, something yeah. you know, that's stirring the pot with him and – to me, it's it, it's the last thing they need in Dallas. I, I I you know I still believe they're a very talented group and they have a talented roster. I think Mike McCarty is a terrific coach. Um, I think Mike handles the quarterback position as well as anyone in the business. Wow. He's a good designer of plays. Jerry just ought to back off and let the coach coach the team, and he can't help himself. He's always stirring that pot, and it doesn't help. It, right. to, in my opinion, as a former player, it doesn't help. As a media guy, hey, we love it. Yeah. There's always something to talk about and write about for the scribes. But gift basket. As a player, Just a gift basket story. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, but Jerry, on. Jerry, just let the coach coach. You got a, you got a very talented team. Look, look, look at the roster they have right now. And, and the, defensively, they can't stop anybody, it seems, right now. But offensively, man, I'd love to play with that group. But yeah. Yeah. And they gotta, only they, let coaches coach. They got to figure the swing tackle thing out. I mean, they'll get their yep. tackles back healthy, and I think they'll be a lot better off. The defense is just it's having a, problems. It's having yeah. problems. We'll just say yeah. that. Bouncing around the division, there's not much to say about the Giants. I guess we could talk about their turf because that's made a lot of news. <laughs> yeah. And you're an all-time you. You deserve a PhD in bad playing surfaces. Uh, the vet was not ideal, right? Oh, it, oh come on, Chris. It, it was the worst field. I would say the vet and the Astrodome in Houston when it first came out, you know, they player safety wasn't even a term then. (laughs) Player safety is now important. Back then it was, there were two by fours sticking out where the second base path was, where they'd cover the dirt of the bases. No, that's the field we played on. That's what it was like. You know, you might remember the preseason game, the Eagles and the Ravens, they canceled the game because Tony Saragusa went and said he was the player rep. He wasn't even playing in the game. And, and I was doing doing the game for television. Tony's, we're not playing on this. Wow. Well, I played in it for ten years. <laughs> Tony, Tony said we're not playing on it. They canceled the game. What did guys? What did guys have to deal with besides just the awful like rashes on the arms and like it's just it's so unheard of for an NFL player in 2020. Now I don't love the some of the field turf surfaces, and what I don't like is the variability. Like you, I think they should streamline it. You go to one stadium. It's too much yeah. rubber pellets. You go to Detroit, it's like concrete. It just like depends. Were there injuries that we we wouldn't even think of besides road rash and like just the attrition of playing on concrete? Oh, oh Chris, absolutely. I mean, it, it was a sticky turf. 
Yeah. It, it, very little give. Yeah. So, you know, hey, it sounds good if you're a receiver running routes and all that thing, but when you get hit and it's sticky, you know what breaks? Your leg. Yeah. You know, turf had no give to it. No give whatsoever. And when the back and, of your head hit the turf probably as a quarterback. Well, well, well I, I have 32 documented concussions. Wow. 32. The only twice was I was I knocked out, but you, a lot of them were banging your head on that turf because you know you, you, you no matter how strong you may be, you get whiplash. Your head's going to bang that turf. So clearly, those were bad, bad surfaces. So what do you think they should do up in New York if this continues to be a problem this week? Well, I remember when they had the trays of grass up there yeah. where they would bring the trays in weekly, and it was actually grass it was dirt it was football um you know all these fields they look great on tv but i don't think there's a player in the world that likes to play on them give me a grass field i mean give me give me something that you know i feel like i'm playing football you know these look nice for tv and they look really cool and all that but from a player's perspective hey i'm gonna play that grass anytime oh and i want to practice on grass too when doug used Thank to make you. us go in, over in that yep. indoor facility which is nice when it's pouring down rain but yeah. I don't want to be in there. I'd rather sit out in the cold and not beat my joints up. So, yeah, yeah. it's just something fans don't think about. Let's talk about our, our friend Nick Foles, which it had to be exciting, I think, for anybody that likes Nick to see him get that opportunity to work some of his magic last week. Uh, he was great under pressure, and he gave them life. Uh, this week he's going to see Frank Reich, a big figure in his football life. And I guess I wonder – if you're a quarterback and you're facing somebody who knows you inside and out, is that as big a deal as you think? Because he's not in Philly anymore. He's in Chicago now. It's a different offense slightly, or does that matter? Yeah, no, I, don't, I don't think it matters. Uh, quite honestly, I, I wish Frank Wright was Frank Wright was still in Philadelphia. So I do I. I. Yeah. That, that, to me, I, and again, I, I'm, I'm happy for Frank that he's a head coach in the National Football yeah. League, but that dynamic, and, 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 and you know this as well as anyone, Chris, the dynamic of that room, the room, where the quarterbacks meet with their coach and game plan. And, you know, Doug may call the plays, but that room is really important where players have the freedom to have input and talk about the game plan and play calling. All those I think it's so important. And, and Frank had a great room. You know, you had, you know, obviously Carson, he gets hurt, Nick steps in. You know, he had a great room, and that means so much. And um, with John Filippo, who was a guy – and, and I love this about coaching too. I, I don't want a soft coach, and you may feel differently or even the same. I want a hard coach. Yeah. I want, I want a guy that's going to coach me hard. Yep. You know, when I make a mistake, get on my butt. Yeah, and when know, I do something me. good, tell me I did it good. But be fair yeah. and be tough. You know, like yeah. be straight. I don't want a guy who's going to build me up all the time and not coach me, and I don't want the guy that's just going to bitch every time. Like if I go play well on Sunday – and we lose, don't come in and yell at me. You know, yeah. it's a team game. You had a good game. We lost. We got to be better as a team. And yeah. I think the one thing with the quarterback room that seems to get lost is what you just said is that's where a player spends most of his time. Yeah. I mean, and I think sometimes the quarterback coach is kind of an afterthought, at least to fans. That's a big deal. And I thought they had such a great mixture of, of, of minds in that 17 season between Flip, between Reich, between Carson and Nick and and Doug, I guess I wonder is like that diversity of mindsets and ideas underrated in a room? Like, is it better to have three good voices or one great voice? No, I I, I like the team concept where you could have input. Yeah, um, you know, and and I, I've been I've been in different situations. 
And, and, you know, I've always liked the room where the, all the quarterbacks had an opinion. Right. You know, I can think of my years in Miami. I spent two years backing up Dan Marino with the great Don Shula, the winningest coach in the history of the National Football League. You know, you spend two years as a guy like that, you learn from it. So we'd have our play calling media on Friday afternoon. We'd sit around a big boardroom outside Coach Shula's office and, you know, go to the board and put, you know, he'd put plays up. Yeah. Jaws, you like, I'm the backup quarterback. Jaws, what do you like on first and 10? What do you like first down of a series? What do you like third and seven to 10? Go through each situation. You know, I'd go after Dan Marino went, but he, but he wanted my input. Why I like those plays. So I like the fact that everyone in the room had an opinion. So if I had to get in the game, Dan got hurt. He knew what plays I liked. You know, so I, I think the room where there's input is a lot more important than just having a dictator. I think that's that's really uh, on point because I, I saw it firsthand. That was so magic for yeah. that offense. It really. And by was. the way, I'm a huge Nick Foles guy. I'm glad you brought Nick up because you know, I mean, Nick is just he's as steady as they come. That's you it. Know, it's a, it's tragic what happened to him in Jacksonville. You know, first game he plays, I think it was the first quarter, broken collarbone. You know, it, and it, he didn't deserve that. You throwing, know, a dime, those, throwing a dime, throwing a dime. I mean, it's you know, like his first touchdown pass. I think maybe it was to Shark in the corner of the end zone. Yep. He, he gets blown up, and then he doesn't come back till the Minshew mania thing is in full effect. And I yep. guess that's another thing is the mentality of being a quarterback when you know you're not the favorite. You know, like, you know at that point when he came back, there's so much energy around this young kid who, in my opinion, is a nice player, but, yeah. like, let's not get carried away. Yeah. Like, yeah. And you're the guy that just signed the $88 million contract. There's a lot <laughs> of pressure on you. It's kind of hard to succeed yeah. in that right. I feel like with Nick – the variation in the stops has been crazy. And it's yeah. the bad luck of, hey, Jacksonville's where you get your big contract. St. Louis, you get you get dropped into that hellhole, and I was there. Yep. I, I mean, you're great with Chip Kelly. You're great with Doug and, and Frank Reich. What's he going to be with Matt Nagy? Well, I, I actually like that marriage. You know, I, I think Matt is a lot like Doug. He came through that Kansas City system where there was a lot of creativity. Yeah. And that, you know, I, I'm a huge Andy Reid fan, and I've held – I love the way he coaches and I love the way he changes every single week. You know, he, he's that chameleon. Yeah. You know, they, they've always got something new and different drives guys like you crazy. Cause you're going to get all kinds of crazy some point in the game. You know, he's going to test you with your discipline yeah. and, you know, and hopefully you get it right. But Andy does that. I think Matt Nagy comes out of, out of that same culture where we're going to have some gimmicks. We're going to have some gadgets. We're going to make you go misdirection. We're going to get you out of place. My left tackle may not be able to block you, but I'm going to put him in a position where he has an angle to block you. So I think that's where Matt Nagy learned a lot from from Andy Reid on, on how to set a game plan to take advantage of a weakness of a defense or create a weakness in the defense. Is that what Andy did so well Monday night? I mean, I saw Ryan Clark talking about him uh, attacking the corner there that, that they know so well in Marcus Peters. Yep. It, of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> of course it is. Yeah. I mean, we, we sometimes when we become fans, we don't realize the time players put in what the coaches put in, what the scouts put in through tape study, being at games, uh, although they're not at games now as scouts. But all those little nuances that come to game planning are so, so important. Yeah. And if there's a weakness in a defense, you know it. They're going to attack it. If there's an offense, there's a weakness, you're going to attack it. And you're going to study that tape, and you're going to see those cutups, and you're going to know exactly what to do in each situation. Real quick with Dan Marino, because that, that you brought him up, and he's so intriguing to me. One, we can't – I don't think we can measure quarterbacks by Super Bowls, one. Two, 
how hard did he throw the ball? Like, help me visualize how hard that ball came off his hand. Dan, Dan had a strong arm, but that really wasn't his strength. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought uh, Dan's strength was his ability to get rid of the football and incredible accuracy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, I mean, he could throw some lasers now. Yeah. That To me, that ball coming out of his hand, and, and he was one of those guys he knew where everyone was. Dan didn't like to get hit. No, yeah. uh, tell me somebody who does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that ball, and the minute he felt some pressure, he knew where the outlet was. And 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 I always learned this from uh, Sid Gilman, a Hall of Famer, uh, as a coach. And and Sid would all, would, would just train me to think if there's quick pressure, where you're going with the football on every play. That's the first thing you should think about. If Chris Long beats you, your left tackle, you better be ready to get rid of that ball. You're going to feel it. You're going to perceive it. Don't hang out of that dig at 20 yards because you're not getting that one because yeah. you're going to get knocked out, right? Yeah. So, okay, the dig's not there. There's pressure. Where are you going with the ball? Get it out of your hand. That's what Sid Gilman taught me, and I thought that's what Dan Marino did as well as anyone. He knew where that outlet was. Was Dan cool to you? Oh, come on, man. He was Dan. Dan yeah. was the man. Yeah. Dan, Dan was awesome. But Dan, not all quarterbacks are going to be cool to their backups, right? <laughs> yeah. Dan had a flair, man. He, he, he had a flair. Yeah. And, hey, he had the Marx Brothers. I wish I would have had a career with those two guys. You yeah. know? Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Duper and Clayton were pretty special. Last thing I'll ask you and let you go, Jaws. You're so gracious to come on and, and generous with your my, time. Hey, my pleasure. Uh, is this – the other night I'm watching Pat Mahomes. I've been watching Russell Wilson, who's my pick for the MVP. It's not exactly a, a hot take, but it's amazing. He, he doesn't have one yet. You, you've seen the excitement uh, when it comes to Josh Allen. You've got Aaron Rodgers looking like he's just a robot right now. Like he's just finely tuned. And Is it – is this the most exciting run of quarterback play in the history of the game? And I didn't take this lightly. I went back and looked. And I know there's been different explosions of different types of offenses and styles, but right now you've got three guys who are playing as well as anybody I can ever remember playing at once. Yeah, and, and, and there are more that'll play well. But I, you know, I don't want to sound like some grumpy old guy here for a minute. Yeah, give, <laughs> give it to me, though. The game is the game has changed. Yeah. Uh, you know, I look at all this tape right now, and, and I keep thinking back to my era of what defenses could do. You would have been as great as you were if you would have played in your dad's era. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I might have had 100. Where, yeah. You know, you come off and whack someone in the head yeah. and headbutt them and all, uh -huh. that, all that crazy stuff. I watch tape now. These receivers, no one's touching them. Yeah. They get they touch them, they get a flag. Yeah. No one's forearm them coming off the line. No one's throwing them to the ground. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 arena football, free release, go run routes, quarterback slinging it around the field, five wide receivers. The game has changed. And I, I'm not gonna diminish the quarterback player of the play now. That's what the rules are for. And yeah. open the game up. But but it is a different game. And I think these quarterbacks understand that they're going to take advantage of it. And so are offensive coordinators. So who's a guy from your era who would have just lit it up now that might surprise people or vice versa, a guy from now that, that would go back in the early 80s and, and dominate? Yeah, I, I, you know, uh, the, the, the 80s were kind of, to me, uh, typical pocket quarterbacks. Yeah. You know, stay in the pocket. Uh, you know, we were never coached to run. Yeah. You know, we would take an opportunity if the – it was man coverage and the seas parted. You'd take that running opportunity, but it was all about you were the field general. Yeah. Quarterback was out there. It wasn't like, hey, we need 100 yards out of our quarterback or 1,000 yards for the season. It was, hey, orchestrate the offense. Right. 
get the ball to get the ball to your playmakers. I had a great Hall of Fame wide receiver in Harold Carmichael. I had a great all pro in Wilbur Montgomery. My job was to get them the football, get yeah. everyone involved in the offense by distributing the football. So I that was to me, that was the offense of the 80s, the Montanas, uh, the Marinos, the guys that it wasn't about running and making plays with your legs, getting the ball in the hands of your playmakers. But as I said, the evolution of the game a moment ago, now the quarterbacks, there's a lot more movement involved. The quarterbacks have more running talent yeah. and the ability to get on the edge of the defense, which drives guys like you crazy because oh. you're chasing all day. Oh, but I mean, I, yeah. I, here's what concerns me, Chris, getting hit. Right. And, and I've seen it in Philadelphia. You mentioned already, hey, Carson is a dynamic football player taking too many hits. And what happens? He's never there when you need him in, in big games. Yeah. I'm about availability over ability a lot of the times. I want my guy there. We get to the playoffs. He's healthy. He's sound. And, you know, we, we can hang our hat on him. And sometimes the worry with quarterbacks that do run, hey, we saw with the homes last year. You know, quarterback fumble, drops yeah. the ball, you know, gets hurt. Yeah. You never know when that fluke play is going to happen. A lot of times it's when the quarterback is running. And that's what makes Russell Wilson so amazing to me because he's played he's behind yeah. terrible offensive lines for much of his career and does run but seems to, save for an awkward slide or two, find ways not to get <laughs> affected by getting hit. So uh, it's been fun watching these guys all year. I, I know uh, I know it'll be more to come and hope to have you back soon, Jaws. Let's let's get a win this weekend, huh? Hey, let's get a win. Hey, uh, my God, now we got to go out to San Francisco and, uh, you know, who knows? They're banged up, but but you got to steal this one, Josh. Like if you don't, if right you don't steal this one, you could be zero and six or whatever it is. That, well, look, and, and you and you have, and I'll say it. I'm looking at schedule, going, where are the wins? Yeah, you know, I'm seeing Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Green Bay, Seattle. I'm going, yeah. Ooh. Oh tough. wait, we got the Giants. We got the Giants twice. I think we got, <laughs> yeah, exactly. we got a couple there. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Well, well, we'll say a yeah. prayer for our birds and uh, and come back soon, yeah, Jaws. They're, really they're appreciate gonna, you, man. They're going to need divine intervention, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, brother. Thanks for having me on the show, man. It's been a blast. Let's do it again. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Chris. So I told you this week uh, I would be breaking down some Alden Smith film for uh, for Long Look. And I'm excited to do it. Just to be talking about Alden Smith in a positive light in 2020. I'm not going to lie. I didn't think we'd be here. I didn't know if we'd ever hear of Alden Smith again when he um, kind of burned out of the league. What feels like 10 years ago is about half a decade ago. And I worried the next time I would hear about him, it would be like bad news because he was going through tough times. And I just really happy that he's back on his feet and that he is, you know, and football is not even that important. Okay. We're breaking down tape here. He didn't need to make his comeback and to start out hot out of the gate for people to call his journey a success. I think his journey is already a success, just that he's gotten here. And um, I'm just very happy for him. He's one of my favorites to watch. I mean, I, I played in division with him back when he was, you know, the fastest to 30 sacks or whatever it was as a young player in the league. And this is historically fast. I mean, he was on pace to be one of the all-time greats. And I did believe he was going to be one of the all-time greats. A lot of people at that time, if you remember the Smith brothers, him and Justin Smith, who is a legend, uh, an absolute legend in his own right, People discounted Alden's talent and his contribution to that San Francisco defense as a rusher because he was lined up next to such an ass kicker. But they both 
they both created for each other. And Alden would be the beneficiary sometimes of Justin and vice versa. And Justin would grab and hold. People used to complain about their grab games and, you know, they would run TE games and that sort of thing where Justin, who's just strong, no gloves, would grab an offensive lineman and just pull him out of the way so that Alden could wrap underneath in a TE, which is a tackle up the field and the end underneath. Um, you know, people made excuses for why this guy wasn't as great as what you saw. I mean, I have never seen anybody wear somebody out as bad as I saw. Now, I'm, I'm probably exaggerating. There's been games where guys had five, six sacks in a game, but what he did to Gabe Karimi on a Monday night, I'll never forget. He had the best bull jerk complex I've ever seen. And by bull jerk, I mean a bull being, you know, you guys listening at home, you guys and girls listening at home, it's, it's I'm gonna put my helmet and my hands into your chest, that's your prototypical bull rush. It starts with a head of steam and you rush with power. A, a lot of guys can bull rush, but not a lot of guys can get separation when they bull rush and have the right timing when they bull rush and then come off of it. And coming off of it is one of the hardest things. You have to have good strong hands. You have to have good instincts. He has never been a beat you to a spot guy. He's never been a guy who just dip and rip around the corner. You know, I, I th you look at Derek Barnett. And he's a guy in Philly who's got really rare ankle flexion. He can turn at the top of the rush. He can get low. He's going to beat you to that spot and bend. Um, He's an example because I played with one like that. Robert Quinn would be the ultimate that I played with. It just that guy's going to beat you to that spot, and he can turn his foot sideways, so it's going to be a problem for a tackle if he can't block speed. Alden wasn't the type that would just run by people. That's why I admired his game so much. Um, he was the guy that, like, if I could rush like anybody, and and I did because I used the bull jerk complex so much in my career, especially as I got older. I really loved the technical aspect of this style of rush. And of course, the bull is what I described. The jerk is, how do you get rid of somebody? You know, and a lot of times that's grabbing the V of the neck. That's grabbing, you know, the natural handles on an offensive lineman's uh, shoulder pads right next to their armpits. Some guys will bull rush. They have their fingers turned upwards. You're not very powerful. And they don't have a grip. So what are you going to do? You push somebody back into the quarterback and then you can't get off them. What's the point? A lot of smaller guys get enveloped that way. When your thumbs are pointed up, you're powerful. And when you got cloth to grab, you'll always have a way to get out of it. And Alden Smith never misses with his hands. And uh, I, just, I just really admired his game. He was wiry. He probably weighed 230. He had great power because of his length and his timing and his technique. Um, now, in his hiatus, who knows what his weight got down to or up to, but he took the field after you know training with Jay Glazer and that sort of thing um, and lifting the weights hard. In great shape, he came back this summer, uh, and he's like 40 pounds heavier. He's a big dude. I've never seen somebody look so different uh, in Act 1 and Act 2 of their career. I mean, it's two different players. The big news is he's got four sacks, um, and that's a great start. He had three on Sunday and one against the Rams. He could have had five on Sunday. Now... Let's not get carried away. That's not to say that he could have had five sacks where he just was wearing people out or that he's the most dominant rusher in the league. He's not the most dominant rusher in the league right now. He's going to help Dallas a lot, though, because Dallas has had trouble, as I mentioned earlier, rushing the passer. And he's, he's their least twitchy edge rusher, and that includes Everson Griffin, who you know, has gotten a little bit older. Um, but he's been their most productive, four sacks. Um, their most twitchy guys. 
Demarcus Lawrence by far, but he started slow. When I first watched against the Rams, I was way more impressed by him in the run game. You'd see him like in a crease, like tight end down, big wing. The crease would be the space between those two tight ends. And he was just kicking people's asses. He had 11 tackles. He was dominant. And I thought to myself, that was the one thing he didn't do really in San Francisco. He wasn't like a put your face in the fan type guy. Because he was a rusher and he was young and he was 230. And there were other guys that did that in San Francisco. He's taken on a different role. And I love that he's embraced that. So I thought, hey, run game. He had a sack against the Rams that was kind of a coverage sack. But it was a good feel sack. So he was in a, in a three, which he can run... He can rush inside and that sort of thing. He's lined up on a guard. He gets to the level of quarterback, and it's not a great rush, but he just he just spins at the right time, and Goff pats the ball, and uh, there you have it. There's sack number one, which is the hardest one to get. You know, talk about Cam Jordan, who's a great rusher, doesn't have one right now. The pressing is a terrible feeling. Well, you get your first one week one. You're playing with house money, and then Sunday you have three against uh, the Seahawks, Guess when the first sack came? Second play of the game. So if you're a rusher, it's like this huge weight is lifted off you. And he was lined up a lot over Dwayne Brown. He was standing up a lot. He's kind of a creeper now. He creeps out of his stance. He's not really twitchy at his new weight. But don't tell that to people setting him because Dwayne Brown, who's a really great player and had a great career, and if anything, sometimes we'll open the gate a little bit, open the gate early and often, second play, you know, winning with that inside move that's basically a one, two, three stutter. It's a step, a step, and by your third step, you're already stuttering and you make the inside move. And for Alden Smith, who's not going to run by anybody this year, you know, that's a move that's going to get there if people are going to open the gate. And he has a really strong hand, inside hand, left hand if you're rushing on the right. He has timing and that shows up uh, on that first sack. Now, Dwayne can be beat inside. If, if I was playing Dwayne, I'm not going to try to make a bunch of hay trying to win with speed. Um, and the stutter to inside move is a nice way to go. Alden had a sack on the second play, like I said, uh, and with the help of a Russell Wilson pump, but it was a beautiful rush. He had a good coverage sack next where he had a good feel for Dwayne, took another inside move, but he's got slide coming to him, so the... So he takes the inside move, the guard pinballs him a little bit, and then he's got the feel again as a rusher to keep wrapping underneath and uh, and get the sack for zero yards. And the funniest thing about getting a sack for zero yards is you always look at the sideline because if it's one yard, it's the worst thing ever. If it's zero, you're like, I'm kind of lucky right now. Like a lot of times that happens for ends when they, when they loop underneath into the A-gap and somebody steps up and they get the, the freebie there. So two sacks early for him. And it was like Dwayne was afraid of his power, which which is fine because that's a big man. But I don't think you need to turn your 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 shoulders and duck your head. You know, like he's not going to run by you. Um, but if you turn your shoulders and duck your head, you're going to get beat inside. And and that's where Alden had has great feel still five years out of football, and he has the the feel that's going to make him a good power player. The third sack uh, was line up on the left and you see him he's been standing up all game he's in a four point stance at this point and you can tell he's like something's different about this rush he's bringing it and he does he runs right down 72 shit and just bowls him back into Russ but this is the key if you watch Alden Smith and he doesn't even go long arm here his arms are long enough to put two hands on somebody and if you're a rusher you always know one hand is longer than two or one one arm is longer than two because you can get sideways like 
I wasn't the longest arm guy in the world, so I used to long arm people and try to get sideways. Alden Smith, he's long. He's going to get back into doing the long arm thing, but he can just put two, two hands on people, two accurate hands on people, and has the separation to break off. You know another thing he does really well lately? It looks like kung fu and shit like that. He's at Jay Glazer's place. He's always had good hands, but off that bowl, what he does when the tackle anchors and tries to re-engage, break the wrist and walk away. He does, he does like, he lifts the wrist and discards a guy who's anchoring and leaning forward. And he's just so accurate with the timing that way. So that player that was such a technician is still there. And uh, I guess the negatives for Alden, if I'm watching, I mean, I think people will figure out that he's not going to run by you and that could change the way they set him. You can reach him in the run game in, in, in gun. Uh, I saw him get reached a couple times, kind of slow out of the stance. You got a back off set away from you in gun. Depending on the depth of that back, especially if he's very even and you have in the scouting report that they run stretch at you to the two-man side, like you got to get up the field and set that edge. They were able to make hay uh, to his side a little bit there. But he's been really good in the crease, like I said, in, in the LA game. He was a he was a fucking machine. And the spin move, you know, he tried to spin move, looked a little rusty. I think he's feeling his way back into using a long arm. And again, I've never seen somebody so successful with two totally different body types. It's like two different people. Love Alden Smith. I'm excited to see him playing football again. Um, I think he's gonna have a nice year. He's not gonna lead the league in sacks. Man, I hope I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, I'll, I'll be excited because I love Alden Smith, but he's going to be a big force for Dallas, and they need that right now. Um, and return on investment, come on. Tristan Hill, dirty dude, but he showed up on, on film inadvertently a lot while I was watching Alden Smith. Guy's got a good feel. Uh, don't love that dirtbag play he made on Carson, but kid's got a little feel for, for having such a funny number, and I don't think he wears gloves. It's like his swag is just... No bueno, but he's got a nice feel. So I'll be watching that Dallas defense a lot the rest of the year because if they don't go far, it's going to be the fault of that defense. And Alden Smith, they really got to maximize what they get out of that front because the, the secondary is struggling. So good to see him back on the field. All right, so without further ado, let, let, I guess I got to eat some mayonnaise now. Holy shit. This is not in the job description. Let's do it anyways. I'm a man of my word. Okay, so... It's mailbag time. It's mayonnaise mailbag time. And listen, I made a deal with the devil here. I fucking lost a bet. Hey, do you not want to do this? No, I'm fine doing it, man. It's, 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 oh, it's, God damn. It's so, uh, as I was saying, creamy and don't gross. Need, you know what it reminds me of? What? Which is disgusting. Cottage cheese, but worse. Like people that are really sweaty in hot weather that aren't in shape. That's Ooh. what mayonnaise reminds me of. It does look gross, and it is awful for you. I, uh, you don't have to do this. And you didn't make a bet, by the way. I said Dolphins 28-13 over the Jags. Oh, you called it looks me an so idiot. gross, man. And then you said if, if the Finns won by more than two scores, you need a bowl of mayonnaise. Listen, now, this bowl is... Listen, Cowboy Reed. Miniature-sized. Now, this is... Yeah, well, it's a mini bowl, dude. Well, this is like uh, what you eat nuts out of, okay? big Two big spoonfuls of mayonnaise. Yeah. That's... Oh. Gross. Ah. You know what I'm going to try to imagine it like? If this is just an aioli. Oh, right. That's smart. You know, like sometimes you dip into aiol aiolis. 
That's right. Hey, think about all the clicks, man. Think about the social uh, mm. clips, I think is, is the term we're using. This is good. All I can think about is people who are out of shape sweating. I don't know why I'm thinking about sweat. It doesn't look anything like sweat. It looks, it's just, I was hoping, Cowboy Reed. It's so cold. Yeah, well, I put it in the fridge because I think it'd just be better in the fridge. I was, and I have an empty stomach right now. I got some Canada Dry here, tonic water. Uh, I want something with carbonation to wash this shit down. And I'm just going to work on this this stuff as we go through the mailbag. Nine, 90 calories per serving. How many servings? Only 60. Well, I mean, I haven't eaten a lot today, which is going to be a negative here. Let me pop this Canada Dry open. And for the people, again, I want to remind you, I've never eaten like straight mayonnaise. I used to go to the drive-thru. Who has? I've never eaten mayonnaise on a sandwich. Nothing like that. It's disgusting to me. Right. Well, this, is, this, this is like Fear Factor stuff. Last Halloween, we did the spider on our hands and snake. snake. There was a snake in the studio. This is scarier than a fucking snake to me. Think less about the mayo and more about the soybean oil, water, whole eggs and yolks, distilled vinegar, salt, sugar, lemon juice, concentrate, calcium, disodium. So there's nothing in here that, that, that uh, I wouldn't eat separately. And natural flavors. Nothing in here, in here that I wouldn't enjoy separately. Nah, you'll be fine. It's kind of like the Dallas Cowboys. A lot of good players... Just kind of insufferable as a, as a unit. Yeah. Best by May 2021. Okay, good to that, see it's, got it's that going uh, for you. Date. Stanford Steve and I actually talked about this earlier. We both agreed that I'd probably rather eat like um, like a small bit of bird shit than this mayonnaise. Yeah. So Get here, a good here goes nothing. Uh, I don't want to smell it. I'll tell you what it smells like. Oh, it smells like. Some old lady's fucking luncheon. Luncheon? Yeah, it's disgusting. It's way worse than that. <sighs> luncheon. Luncheons don't have a smell. I hate luncheons. I hate lunch. I hate luncheons. But lunch foods typically don't are not uh, odorous. Oh, fuck, dude. Odiferous. What does odiferous mean? This is so bad, dude. I got to find the mailbag questions. So he asks... Um, what are my favorite and least favorite things about playing in New England? Hmm. Go on. <sighs> Ryan Fitzpatrick, baby. Oh! oh! <laughs> no! Oh! Taste that. Oh. oh, God. Fuck. How do you people eat this shit? Oh! I wish I could provide commentary, but it's truly disgusting for me as well. Oh, how do you eat that? How, what percentage would you say did you take down in that spoonful? Hopefully like 33%. Okay. Yeah, I am a little nauseated myself now that you're throwing it down the hatch. What did you say was in this shit? Nothing bad. It's, it's egg, egg yolks, whole eggs, yolks, yolks and eggs, egg yolks, soybean oil, water, vinegar. Might be getting some of that vinegar. Salt, I asked sugar. for like a flavorless mayonnaise. Is this flavorless mayonnaise? Yeah, dog. That's the. Does like the the rest of the mayonnaise taste like a foot? Like this is disgusting. This is as white as your shoe. No, it's not. That shit is off. It's like pink. This is like bone. This is the Rams jersey color. Uh, it tastes mayo. nothing like a fucking aioli, dude. I will answer. Best part of playing in New England. Best part of playing in New England. I made a little list. I mean, fuck. It's uh, winning a Super Bowl. Um, Chef Ted, we had a great chef named Ted. Shouts out to Chef Ted. He would never feed me mayonnaise. Mm -mm. Ted wouldn't feed me mayonnaise. Dunkin' Donuts were everywhere. This is when I used to hammer like four or five 
cups of coffee. The plane rides were great. I told you before, I I, I really complimented. <laughs> oh, oh, did you throw up? Did he throw up? I looked away. Ah! Did you spit up? Oh! Man, it's just a little mayonnaise. Oh, God, dude. Grow up. Oh, fuck, man. People eat this shit. Golly, this is disgusting. Never again. Uh, so I liked uh, Chef Ted. I liked the Dunkin' Donuts. We're all over the place. Great donuts. Um, also, I used to drink coffee a lot. Great teammates. Good plane rides. I complimented the travel on Ryan Rosillo's pod, and Bill caught wind of it and was excited about the fact that, because they do, they, they really give players everything they need to succeed. Except sunlight, okay? Theme. Negatives would be no windows in the building. So you walk in, there's no windows. You don't see the light from the time you come in to the time you leave. And of course, it's dark when you leave. It's dark when by the time you leave because it's in the Arctic Circle, okay? The place is so far fucking north. I can't even focus because of the mayonnaise. Hey, uh, sorry, man, we haven't been recording. We're going to need to start over. No chance. Rather get run over by a vehicle. Hey, get some sunlight in the building, Patriots. Other than that, like pretty positive place. Oh, yeah. Like I would say I didn't love living right behind the stadium. Didn't like the fact that the sun went down at four o'clock. Uh, nobody really cares about the cold. Like everybody, they make it such a big thing up there. It's not even the coldest city in the NFL. Like Minnesota's colder. Okay. Mm, I know they play inside. Uh, but like as far as practicing, playing somewhere with Chicago's, I watched Chicago. There was a game my brother played against the Cowboys on Monday night in maybe 2012 or 13. He had to block Jason Hatcher out in the cold. And I think it was like with the wind chill minus 20 or something like that. New England, it's not that cold. Your problem is sunlight. I know it doesn't have a ring to it. Like people don't want to come play here because it's not real sunny. Nobody's that afraid of the cold up there. Also, the walk to the field is super long. Is it true that in Alaska, sometimes you never see the sun? Yeah, but there are mountains. There's no mountains in Foxborough. Hmm. Not saying I don't like Foxborough, but the topography is not my favorite. Um, Also positive, they got a cranberry bog right there behind the Bass Pro Shops in Foxborough. Lovely place. Took took my son there a lot. I like donut holes. You spoke of Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Is that like a little donut bite? That, yeah, you know what a donut hole is. Or the hole in the donut? No, not the literal hole. I like the donut holes. You had it right. The little circles of donut. That's, I call that a donut ball. Yeah, it's a donut hole. Okay. Though, you're right. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So somebody asked me, uh, well, this is it, dude. I'm going to try to go one more uh, big gulp here. Hey, what's the question first? The question is, <laughs> um, this is from Ron from California. He asked about like running back a touchdown on kickoff return and like how mad the defense is kind of secretly because they were out of breath. Mm. Presumably you just got scored on and you're tired and then your team goes and scores and puts you back on the field. There's something to that, Ron. It's a great, great question. That's a big thing. Like sudden change sucks, but sometimes sudden change can be a good thing and a bad thing. Um, about to be a sudden change. In sudden your change in my belly. Stomach. Logan Ryan had a pick six in Denver when I played for the Patriots, I think it was, and I thought I was going to die. Like, literally, that would, that's what prompted I was never a big fan of, like, when I was in, in Philly, we'd all, we'd do the group celebration pictures, you know? But we did that one on the sideline, the one behind me there. 
I would never run to the fucking end zone to celebrate as a group and like pose for pictures, okay? I only have so many steps. Cool picture, put it on Instagram. I'm gonna have a great drive in about three minutes and you're gonna be gassed. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of doing that. that. If I had advice for anybody, it would be to not do those end zone group pictures. Speaking uh, of, I'm gonna take a picture of you here while you're... Let me get the Canada dry out here for this last scoop of mayonnaise. Hellman's is disgusting, okay? I don't know what you people are doing at Hellman's, but it's not cool. I said white. I said cocaine white mayonnaise. Yeah, Reed, this is bone mayonnaise is where you went wrong. I don't feel well. Oh, 100% cage-free eggs. Fuck off. I'm never eating this shit again. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, 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 I got to sit up. Nice, man. Mouse watering. Good uh, on you. Josh Stack asks about any stories about he teammates having superb performances with a hangover or blazed. Way to honor a bet for once. Not really. It's in the past now. I'm going to drink all this, this fucking tonic water. I'm going to cap this thing because it is offensive to me as well. It's disgusting. Holy shit, man. You know what I hate about mayonnaise? When they, when they show you the inside of a sandwich and it like they press it down and then pull it up and it's like stringy, like sticky mayonnaise on a cold cut. Disgusting. Oh, I don't know that at all of what you're saying. Any, like any, any sandwich with mayonnaise on it. My nose is running. It's disgusting. I love the first of the month. You know, it's kind of like a new year, a new beginning. How do you feel about starting off October with um, a couple servings of mayonnaise in your in your person? The worst is over. The best is yet to come. Okay. This week I had to watch that fucking debate and eat mayonnaise. Yeah. Couldn't be a worse week. Well, buckle up. Yeah, I know. Fuck. Josh Stack asked, uh, any stories of teammates having superb performances with a hangover or blaze in the spirit of Doc Ellis who pitched an entire game on acid? I didn't, I'm sure the information's out there. Was Doc Ellis microdosing or was he really dropping acid? Like, was he, because CEOs are microdosing now. I could see microdosing being good for a pitcher. And, you know, I'm not saying you go play football on acid, but I could never play football high. I really couldn't. Never tried either because when I took the field, I wanted to be intense. I'm somebody who's wired. I need, that's what marijuana does for me. It chills me out. Indica, more like indi indi indica couch. couch. You got it. Yeah, you smoke some weed. No, I, I don't. No, I, I don't. Know. But, but I how'd do know you know that? that? Well, I, I'm, I'm a student of the illicit drug. Also, spring game circa 06. No, yeah, 06 was my breakout game, was the spring game at the University of Virginia. Uh, I was pretty hungover for that one. And mm. one time I had a New Orleans bachelor party and hadn't shipped for like seven days as a result uh, and went out and had two sacks against the Niners. Like, wow. When I tell you I just waddled out the tunnel at Candlestick because I was about eight pounds heavier and it was all... What is this, after a bye? Yeah, we had a bye week. Okay. I, I did a bye week bachelor party okay. with for a friend. I didn't organize it, but that's when the bachelor party was. And I went down to New Orleans and just... This is 26 years old, so I was rolling hard. I must have poisoned myself because my body wasn't functioning right for 10 days. And to say I, I went out and sacked Troy Smith twice with, with all that, that Cajun food. You maybe should have left out the Troy Smith part. Why? Just let people imagine like an all-pro quarterback. No offense, Troy. No, I mean, Troy Smith was awesome. But yeah. Have a great weekend, man.
please. I'm going to try because this week sake. has been just, it's been awful. Yeah. Y'all take care. Uh, we'll see you on Monday. Ah! <laughs> Good job. Ugh, I'm so disgusted. Yep.